It's important to uh, understand the role that you play in a particular, you know, um, organization. Trio, duo, quartet, big band, doesn't matter. Um, my role is to make everybody sound good. My role is to is to um, is to present and create a foundation that frees everyone up to their creativeness. Um, <laughs> there's a certain drummer. Actually, he was a great drummer. He passed away. He played with Hard Silver for a while, and um, we used to play together, and he used to call me the magic carpet. Um, we had such a, a great hookup, you know, with the quarter note. And um, he felt totally free to do what he wanted to do. And when I'm playing behind a vocalist, or I'm accompanying the piano player or the saxophone player, well, then that's, that's what I want to do. I want to, to, I want you to feel free, uh, unencumbered hmm. um, to, to, to play what you hear, what you feel. So that means I have to provide a good beat, I have to provide the correct notes. I have to be um, uh, extremely understanding of the harmonies uh, and and how to to give you the best note that's going to allow you to play what you hear or hear what you didn't hear if it were not for that note. Mm -hmm. You know? So um, I, didn't, I didn't practice necessarily uh, or focus on how to play with this singer uh, separate from the role that I, that I understood how to play with anybody, you know? Um, but of course, you know, there's certain things that you have to take into consideration uh, with the vocalist. And also, um, uh, contrast, you know? Do I wanna play so, so much up in thumb position, you know, when I'm playing with the vocalist? Mm -hmm. Or is it more necessary for me to give her you know, or him, you know, this strong foundation, you know, of this quarter note and half position, you know? So these are, you know, uh, and, and see, the other thing 
is, is you must always be aware of where you are, who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing, why you're doing it, and the best way to do it. What is going to be the best way to make all of this work? You know, there's many variations of vocalists. You know, you may be playing with a vocalist that uh, doesn't necessarily sing every note in tune. You know, maybe, um, you know, he or she is trying things that um, uh, maybe, uh, you know, they don't always reach what they're going for. Mm. So I have to find a way to really help them do it. You know, you know, it, it, it's 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 a broadening of one's concept and perception that's needed. And um, uh, I like to I like to to feel that. I help this this person accomplish what they tried to do. Hmm. That's a lot of responsibility for one person only. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that. Yeah. You know, but it's all it's all happening, you know. Yeah. In the in the microsecond. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know. What I meant before with patience that I see patients when I, when I look at videos from you with Sarah Vaughan, you know, waiting for the moment to play your note that supports her, waiting to bring her in, you know, hearing, listening, but with, with such a incredible patience. But there's, to me, there's also patience in the way you play quarter notes, a patience where Some people would freak out with like, I played this note and now I played this note. Wow. How do I make it work with the next note? You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you have patience, you can make it work within a multitude of notes, you know, mm -hmm. after, after a while. So mm -hmm. I'm interested in the concept of concept of patience in a broader sense, patience in music, mm -hmm. having your ego in check or having your ego work for you in a way, as opposed to the mm -hmm. other way around and right. having also a patience in the detail mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. You hit it right on the head, right on the head, man. You know, and, um, uh, you know, as a, uh, you know, patience is something that one might say, you know, comes with age and comes with experience, you know? Um, but what about, you know, when you're 17 years old and you're playing with, you know, or 18 years old and you're playing with uh, Servan, you know? And, you know, you're like a young, you're like a young bull, you know, you're learning all this stuff You know, and you can't wait to get on the bandstand to display what you know, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, 
patience can be can be hard to have. It can be hard to have, and and um, you can feel you can feel stifled. Um, uh, and, and patience may not be something that comes to you, um, you know, so easily because you're anxious. You know, I mean, you 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 practiced all day and you worked on these different things, and you can't wait to get on the bandstand and display what you know. Yeah, you know, but do you do you defy or deny your responsibility because you're you're learning more you know more intricate stuff and uh, do you is it is it about you know you just using this as a platform to display um your dexterity or your uh uh uh, uh flight of flight of hand, you know, uh, or are you still required to fulfill your responsibility, regardless of how you mastered this diminished scale today? You know? So it's it's a challenge. And um but it's it's um it's the 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 challenge that you need and through through facing that challenge you realize quicker than you would if you didn't what is the essence of the music what is the essence of the music it's not about how fast you can do this or you know um continually looking for the spot, you know? But understanding that in the process of playing on the bandstand, this is still a learning experience, you know? And it's not about, you know, separating playing your instrument from playing the music. Yeah. Yeah. That so, happens often with people practicing, right? They separate music making from working on their instrument. Yeah, you know, and you can you hear it many times, you know. You 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 hear a person perform and and uh uh the thing that stands out is their technique. You know? I I I I I don't want someone to come and hear me and all they hear is technique. I want them to come and hear me and hear the music. Wow, he's so musical. Yeah. That's the point of technique. That's when technique is really working for you. When your technique is allowing you to play what you want to play, play what you hear. And to warm someone's heart as they listen to what you play. It's not how fast you can run up and down the scale, you know? So these are, these are things that uh, um, uh, 
take a sense of selflessness to to uh, to master and as you as you strive for it you you develop this sense of selflessness hmm. you know uh, you, you know music is is about a, a way of living and I think I think that um, we'd all be better off if everyone studied a bit of how to play music, you know? <laughs> Our Blakey used to say, you know, the music that we play, you know, people come to hear us to wipe away the dust of daily life. Yeah. You know? That's nice. And that's so true. That's so true. And, you know, there's been all kinds of scientific studies that prove that, you know, one, through, through one studying an instrument or how to play music, you know, creates more gray matter in your brain, which makes you more adept at doing other things that seemingly have nothing to do with music. You become a better mathematician. Mm-hmm. You're better at the, you know, you know, geography. And or, it also strengthens the collaborative thing, right? We, we have to work together to make it work. Right. You know, we have to listen to each other. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to, to develop one's understanding of each other and to, to, to develop our humanistic uh, selves. Thank you for checking out the podcast. If you enjoyed these conversations, please join me on patreon.com slash Pablo Held for more educational videos on various musical topics, early access to episodes, lead sheets, online hangouts, listening sessions, music recommendations, bandcamp discount, and more behind-the-scenes stuff from the podcast. The generous support of my Patreons helps me to pay for the running costs of the podcast, and it also helps me to keep it going into the future. Thank you so much, and let's get back to the episode. What I also like, going back to Sarah Vaughan and your time with her, is that there's a, a such a great balance of taking the music and the gig as serious as possible, but taking the whole situation also in a way, it seems lightly in the best way. Like I've I've heard you, and the whole band is laughing at at times or making jokes and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a lightness also in there. Mm. But then Sarah sings, you know, Hot House on what is this thing called love, and you guys are with her, and it's as serious as it can get. Mm. But then, like, who's who is singing? with her on Misty. Who is that? That's the piano player, Kurt Stewart. Right. For a moment, I thought it was you because I, in Cologne, I heard you sing, which was great. You know, I loved yeah, it. No, no, it was uh, Kurt Stewart. Um, he was, um, uh, and he had a great voice. Mm -hmm. He had a great voice, uh, you know. And the way we would do that was on Misty. 
Right. And um, she'd be singing the second chorus and she's coming up to the bridge to the to the release and um the lights the 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 lights would go go out and um you'd hear Kirk you'd hear this male voice can't you see how you're leading me on yeah. and then the spotlight would come back on and then of course the spotlight's on her and she would you know, this is all part of acting. She would say, no, and she would point over to the piano player. <laughs> and then the spotlight would go to the piano player. Oh, man, and the people would go crazy. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Beautiful show business. Yeah, show business. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. That's exactly what I mean, you know, mm -hmm. to have that balance between... Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta be having fun on the bandstand, man. If, you know... If if uh, you know your seriousness uh, is such that you're not having fun, you know, then then it's a labor, it's a uh, uh, <laughs> you're laboring, you know. It's not playing anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not playing. It's not. It's not. You're not playing music. Yeah. Now you're laboring music. Yeah. You know? So yeah, you gotta have a great time on the bandstand. Mm -hmm. All those songs that you played with uh, with Sarah, or just in general, like back then, how did you learn standards? Oh, through having to play them. You know, I mean, you know, you 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 can set a goal for yourself. Okay, I'm gonna learn five songs today. You know. Well, that's fine, you know, but then you're going to get on a bandstand tonight and play five songs that you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know? And, um, uh, you know, of course, you know, we had, you know, you've got sheet music and all, but, you know, you, 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 how long are you going to have to need the sheet music to Autumn Leaves? Did Sarah have a, a book? Oh yeah, she had a book. Uh huh. She had a book, but you don't see us reading any music on no. there. No, we learned it all. Mm -hmm. You know. Was there? Um, how thorough was the rehearsal process for um, the band book of her? Well, it was as thorough as necessary. I mean, I don't remember really tedious rehearsals. Um, see, the, 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 my fortune was to play with these people, you know, that what they did was sort of like as natural to them as breathing in and out, you know? And, um, you know, that's, that's something that, um, I try to get my uh, students to understand these days. Some days, sometimes, you know, they talk too much about the music. Let's let's play it. Okay, now, you, okay, you got a new, everybody's got a, a chart. This is a new piece, you know. Um, the only person that knows it is the person that brought in the chart, you know. So now what, 
but and then they want to talk about it. Well, why don't we play it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> then we'll know what to talk yeah. about. Yeah. You know? So um, there was never time wasted, you know, with Sarah Vaughn and, you know, Betty Carter or mm-hmm. Freddie Hubbard or, you know, but Miles Davis, I never had, we never rehearsed at all. So how did you prepare for the gig when he called you? First of all, it's Miles Davis. You're supposed to already know his music. <laughs> of course, yeah. You know? And um, uh, I did. You know, but, you know, and, and of course, you know, so you, you got a new piece that someone brings in, you know, Freddie Hubbard brings in, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of his pieces. Okay, we got we to, gotta, you know, learn it. You know, but but the thing is, are you ready? In other words, do you know the language? And that's that's what we do. That's that's what we uh, call practice, learning the language. Mm. And of course, you got to learn the, you know all the intricacies of your instrument, but you got to learn the languages of the language of the music. You know, there's certain sequences that you know are, are basic that you gotta that you gotta learn how to go from this chord to that chord you know um and then you know in my case i'm playing you know i'm playing single notes you know and if it's four beats i'm playing four different notes you know i mean You know, when bass players uh, were, the, the role was taken over by the bass player from the tuba, mm. from the tuba to the bass player, well, in four beats, you know, we just played two notes. Boom, 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 you know? But as things advanced, you know, then it was really about outlining the chord you know, and finding the notes in the chord that really, you know, create a musical statement rather than just a boom, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, so all of this is, you know, experimentation and, and uh, um, uh, it, it, uh, You know, it makes it all exciting. It makes it all very exciting. Hmm. Now, what happens if you, if somebody puts a new song that you don't know in front of you? What, what do you gravitate towards to first? What do you check first? What, do you have a process for that? Well, I'm looking at a new piece of music. First thing I want to do is what's what's the time signature? What key am I in? You know, and um, uh, you know, maybe I I got some some certain notes to play, certain figures to play. Um, uh, I probably got uh, chords. Uh, 
that I have to play and create my notes in these chords. Or maybe it's a piece that um, only has one or two chords, right? So I gotta concern myself with, with, with that chart, you know? And I'm also listening for, you know, um, uh, what the composer was going after, you know? So as, as much as I need to learn my one, my chart, the chart, the bass chart, I'm listening also as I'm learning this, how it fits with everything else. How it fits with the, what the drum is doing, how it fits with the, you know, um, uh, you know, what the saxophone player is doing. And um, uh, also, an, an, as well as the figures that are written on my part, you know, that I have to play, you know, that coincide with what someone else is doing, you know? So, uh, uh, you know, and then, uh, what is the structure? What is the structure of the piece? You know? Uh, so, uh, you know, as the, 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 the composer hands out the music and he says, okay, this is uh, the, stru the, the structure is A-A-B-A. And you got to know what A-A-B-A means, mm -hmm. you know? Or A-B-A, you know, or, you know, uh, we play down to the sign, go back up to the top and take the coda. You know, you got to know what all of that means. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, and it doesn't take more than, you know, the guy or, or whoever it is saying that. And, okay, let's play it. Let's see what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, once you play it down the first time, you know, you got a good idea of what you're supposed to be doing, you know? Or even before that, even before that, especially, you know, if you know the structure, A-A-B-A, -A -A. well, now, you know, if you play the first A, you know the second A, you know? You got the B, now you know, you know, probably what's the last A, mm -hmm. you know? The code is, is, is the ending, you know, and you know what you're going for, you know, when you're playing, when you, uh, you know, there's difference when you're, when you're playing a turnaround and when you're playing an ending, mm -hmm. right? So these are things that, you know, you get this, you know, you, you, you can look at your part and see that, you know? Before the tone is counted off, you can see all of that. And would you rather have a bass part or a, like a score or like a like a chart with all the information? I just need a bass part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can hear everything else. Mm. You know, I mean, I can. I don't. I don't need a score because I'm going to be busy playing my part. You know. Uh, the the score is is just telling me what you what I'm going to hear. Well, I'm I'm going to hear it. 
no need to score. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, one of my favorite albums of yours is Something More. Mm. And that's one of my all-time favorite albums. Mm. I would like to know everything about the the history of that album and uh, what what the process was of getting the music together and, and getting these guys together. And maybe if you have some memories from the recording session that you would like to share, I'd, I'd be very interested to get a sense of how it was to to do that album? Well, a few things were going on um, when I uh, was preparing to do that album. First of all, um, uh, I had uh, done my stint with uh, Herbie Hancock, you know, with the quintet and the sextet. And um, and now we're, we were doing trio, Herbie and Al Foster and myself. And um, every summer we would tour Europe and we'd take a different horn player with us. Once it was Michael Brecker, one other summer it was uh, Branford Marcellus. Another summer it was Greg Osby. Right. And um, And, uh, but during that time, um, we didn't record anything. And um, I wanted to get that trio recorded. The trio, Herbie and uh, Al and myself. So I had this opportunity to do this record with, um, I think it was uh, In-N-Out Records. Um, yeah, yeah, Frank Kleinschmidt. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I put the band together, the core being Herbie and Al and myself. And uh, I, I wanted desperately to record with Wayne Shorter. So Wayne Shorter and uh trumpet player that really, I really, really like uh, Shunzo Ono. And um, so uh, that was part of my inspiration to do that, uh, to do, to do this, this record. And uh, um, I was writing, so, and also, um, people were talking to me about putting my own band together. And uh, I had told myself, I was not going to put a band together of my own until I was writing music that I actually wanted to play night after night, you know? Um, because, you know, uh, Horace Silver was a great composer. And Horace Silver wrote great songs and, and had great bands. And 
he'd play a whole night of his music, you know, and it was varied and and uh, wide range enough that you never got bored. Wayne Shorter, you know, could play a whole night of his music, you know. Um, with Herbie Hancock, we'd play a whole night of his music, you know. So, you know, and I I decided that when I was writing music that I would want to play, I would want to play all night, not just because it's mine, but because I like it. I really like it and it's exciting and it's, you know, it's gonna, gonna be a, a, a trip. Then I would put a band together. And um, and the other thing was, how long would I like the record that I just did? Hmm? Something more, when we finished that record, and a week later I went in and uh, uh, mixed it, I found that um, you know, because usually when I finish a project, okay, I'm through with it. I've lived with it long enough. You know, I don't necessarily even want to hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, but it was something different about something more. When I went in to do the mix, wow, I really liked it. Mm. And three months later, I was still listening to it, and I liked it. So I decided, you know, actually I did the record in um, 87, I believe it was. Or was it 80? I think it was 87. We it can check it. Hmm? Let's look at it. I recorded in 89, March, March of okay. 89. And it came out in Europe first before it was released mm -hmm. over here. Uh, but in 1990, I decided to put the band together. And uh, Gabby Kleinschmidt, uh, who was a, an agent in Europe, um, she wanted to work with me and she started, you know, booking European tours for us. And um, uh, I think I was doing the booking myself for the States, and we started touring. Hmm. I had Billy Drummond on drums. I think I had uh, Benny Green on piano. Mm -hmm. And I had Ralph Moore, tenor player. And uh, uh, so that was the band. And then Shoza Ono. So I had a quintet. Oh, boy, we had lots of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, we 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 play night after night, and you know the the audiences were, were were great. They seemed to enjoy the music, and we enjoyed playing the music. And and uh, uh, the guys, they seemed to you know they seemed to like to play my music. So that was a big plus. I was that was a big honor. Mm. And um, 
it just blossomed from there. But I mean, the songs like Air Dancing and Christina and something more, I mean, not something more, but I think Air Dancing and Christina, you, you played with Herbie many of those summers uh, throughout the mm -hmm. years. And yeah. there's so many great recordings of that also, which I love. But the thought that you've developed the music for so long and then finally went into the studio to, to capture mm -hmm. it. Was there any kind of pressure on you that you felt like after touring it so, so many times, then to have a def definitive version on the record? Well, the thing about um, the records that diff that's different from playing on tour is, um, you know, you played tonight, but now the music's all out in the air, you know? And, uh, you know, it's like it happened, you know, but it's like ephemeral. It's gone. But when you put it down on record, it's there forever. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, you know, that's that's the difference. Not that it's um, it should uh, create necessarily angst, you know, or fear or whatever, but uh, there is a concern that, uh, okay, this performance is going to be eternal. Whereas the performance last night, well, it's not. It's, it's over. It happened once and it's gone. So that was the difference. Um, but also, um, I think I had recorded Christina. The first recording of Christina was with Sphere. Oh, right. Okay. Charlie yeah. Rouse, Ben Rowley, mm -hmm. and Kenny Barrett. And uh, I don't, but I don't think we had done air dancing. Yeah. But also, um, uh, Deception. Um, Mm -hmm. Deception, you also did with Herbie. Oh, Decepticon. Oh, yes. Decepticon. Okay. Not Decepticon, Decepticon, yeah. Um, and also, um, the arrangement, I think, of uh, I Didn't Know What Time It Was. Yeah. I first did that with um, Sphere. Yeah. But we made some alterations when I did it on the, the record. Uh, some hum, uh, harmonic alterations. Um, uh, yeah, but... Um, was but it anyway, your idea? Was, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That album, Something More, was uh, sort of monumental in um, decision-making for me. Uh Because um, that that album, as I as I've said before, uh, you know, not to be redundant, but that was what this made me decide to put a band together. I have a very specific question about um, about Christina. Mm. I recently learned the song, tried to learn it, um, mm. and after a certain while, after the first part is done you land on a c sharp pedal mm -hmm. and then you go back to the f sharp pedal which is also the intro 
Right. It seems to me it's like a different length when you arrive at it the second time. But my main question is, if you play with somebody like Herbie, how definitive or how definite are you in terms of naming the chords that are supposed to happen on top of that pedal? Because I'm sometimes I think I'm quite sure about the first two chords, but then Herbie seems to be doing something different each time. So I, I'm wondering, how did you name the chords for the pedal, or did you just say? Well, you pedal? know, you name the chords. Yeah, yeah, I named the chords. Um, but uh, first of all, Herbie's always going to do something different. Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's it's always going to be something better than I wrote. <laughs> you know. Um, But um, uh, in that in that pedal, when I'm playing the C sharp, um, it's sort of like you know a C sharp sus kind of sound, you know. But I mean, the only thing that's definite there is the amount of bars. Mm. You can you can you know uh, play it the way you hear it. Mm. I'm going to play the pedal. You can, you know, there's so many things that'll work with that. Yeah. You know, and you're free to find all of that until we're going back to the F sharp. Then we're back at a major, you know, we're back at a major chord, mm. you know, but no, that's, uh, that's not, that's not defined. Mm. Cool. When I think of Decepticon, you just earlier in our conversation, you said something about laying a foundation that will enhance um, everybody's creativeness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're doing it in playing, but you're also doing it in composition. When I hear the guys and you playing over that song, over that form, mm -hmm. It feels to me like it's a springboard for anything to happen and that any, anything can happen over that form mm -hmm. or sometimes maybe even outside of the form. Mm -hmm. My question is, if you have a form like that, G minor for a couple of bars and then, you know, the other chords, um, how did you, what was your process on working on still playing structured in a structured way the form of a piece but kind of zooming out and having it more broad more universal because i know you can be as definitive as you can be as you know as precise as you can be in terms of chords you can go, you can zoom in but you can also zoom out mm -hmm. without losing the focus mm -hmm. i want to know more about that Well, um, the structure, uh, first of all, you know, I don't want to put handcuffs on anybody that's going to play my music. I don't, I don't want to write handcuffed music, you know, it can only be played this way. Um, uh, 
I mean, I like to hear what I wrote, um, but I like to know that what I wrote allows you to play what you hear, you know, with a structure, with a harmonic structure, you know, uh, uh, with the certain set of amount of bars, um, but the way you hear it and the way you can, uh, you know, and it depends on the, it depends on the, 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 the player, you know, um, I don't want to say that, um, the music has to be, can only be played by some with a, someone with a certain sense of, uh, um, uh, sophistication, you know, but the more sophisticated one is, the more uh, varied one's, inter one's interpretation will be. And um, um, the music, I, I, I like to feel that my music allows for you know, the, the nth degree of sophistication, you know, or the most minutest degree of sophistication. Because if you just play it the way it's written, you know, is it going to work? I want that to work mm -hmm. as well as as far as you can take it out, you know? Because on the bandstand now, you know, and you know, I've, I've the band that I have, I've, we've been together so long. Um, we'll play on the bandstand, and uh, you know, it may be a performance that you, you think you think you know this song, but you've never heard it like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's the same structure. It's the same uh, set of chords, you know, uh, uh, but but the way we perform it, the way we do it, can make it sound totally fresh and new. And that's what I'm going for every night. I don't want it to sound like it sounded last night. Mm -hmm. You know? And then, you know, it, and with a band, you'll play the same tunes night after night, you know, and, and it's your challenge is to make it fresh every time you do it. Can't, uh, you know, I can't uh, uh, stress, you know, uh, too much how, how many times uh, in the years of five or six years that the Miles's band was together with Herbie, Wayne, and Ron and Tony. And uh, they played Autumn Leaves. <laughs> you know, how many different ways you're going to play Autumn Leaves? Mm -hmm. You know, even, um, even uh, 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 
all blues. You know, you could hear you can hear the band play, you know, at the Vanguard every night, the Village Vanguard, and, and you'll hear them play those tunes. And each night it will be different. That's the magic of this music, man. Mm. You know, and what you're hearing is musicians learning something new about themselves on stage. On yeah. stage, you know, right in front of you. You know, you see, you're you're experiencing creativity. Yeah, but coming out of vulnerable, being vulnerable, right on on stage, and and and. Uh, uh, a lack of fear of being vulnerable. Yes. You know? It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. How how did it feel for you when you when you were on the band set with them then? <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. And you know, my first night on the bandstand, like I said, was with no rehearsal. And uh, we're playing at this club in San Francisco called The Both And. And, uh, you know, Miles had just recorded um, the record ESP. So the first tune was Agitation. I had never played Agitation, you know? <laughs> And nobody prepared me for it. Yeah. You know? But had you heard it on the record? Of course, I had heard it on the record. Yeah, you know, but there's nothing truly definitive on the record, you know, and uh, uh, that's what it was on the bandstand. I got to play what I'm hearing, you know. And we did agitation. I think then we did round midnight, and after the melody, we went into triple time. Yeah, you know. And I think we did a, a So What? And um, I Thought About You. Huh. You know? And I mean, man, it was, oh, it was like the, the greatest experience of my life. You know? And I'm joining, I'm joining a family. And these guys were a family. And they were, there was nobody else doing what they were doing. You know, I look over at Tony and, and uh, you know, Tony looks just like a ball of smoke. You know, his, <laughs> his legs are going like that and he's playing, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, Herbie's, Herbie just splashing stuck out. Wow. And uh, so... <laughs> And then on intermission, uh, we come off the bandstand and Miles sort of like keeps me beside him for the whole intermission. We go, we sit down at a table and and we're talking and he's not talking about the music or nothing. You know, we played five sets. Between each set, he's spending all his time with me just talking you know, and told me how he likes my playing. And and I think the third night of all of this, 
uh, I get up enough nerve to ask Miles a question, you know? Because we're talking about cards, we're talking about clothes, he's talking about bird, you know? And I'm listening to him talk and, you know, we're laughing and stuff. So I said, I said, Miles, you know, I said, you know, everyone is so free on the bandstand. I said, um, I want to know, you know, do you want me to be as free as them? You know, because I'm thinking that, you know, I'm trying to confirm my responsibility. So, you know, and he looked at me and he got this bright smile on his face and his eyes gleamed, you know, and he said, Buster, he said, when they play fast, well, then you play slow. And when they play slow, well, then you play fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is that? You know? But it let me know, you know, wait a minute, man. You're here because I want you here. I want you to play, you know, the, the, it ain't this ain't no no stock arrangement. This is no okay, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. You know? So just him saying that freed me up. Freed me up. And I knew that um, you know, what I heard and what I felt was okay for me to do. Yeah. Wow, now I have so many questions. What did he say about Bird? Did you remember when he talked about Bird? No, I don't even remember. Okay. So, okay, but after after a couple of nights of playing, did you check back with the other guys trying to talk about the music? Did they have no, more to say? No, never talked about the music. Yeah. Never talked about it. I mean... <laughs> I heard Wayne say one time, he said, well, if you got to talk about it, why play it? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? And that was, that was always amazing to me. Um, um, it was like, let everybody else talk about it. If you're, if you're doing it, right, everybody else is going to be talking about it. And they're going to be coming up to you and telling you, you know, all about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, we never, we never, we never talked about the music. I mean, and you knew, you knew, um, because because that's the way, it, that's the way it was. It was, you know, you're not supposed, you know, if you if you come to work with um, uh, well, I, don't, I, I, I can't even say it. Hmm. You know, 
I mean, I learned that that um, a true leader um, in in this genre, in this in this in this profession, chose the musicians. You know, his he needed to have the, the ability to choose the musicians that would work together on the bandstand. That was the that was the the first talent that Miles had. If 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 you were on that bandstand, then you were supposed to be there. He knew beforehand, you know, when he put the band together with Ron, Tony, and Herbie and Wayne, you know. And and Wayne, I think Wayne spoke to you about that when when you you interviewed him. You know, and Wayne talks about the phone call that right. they had. You know, you know, Miles had never heard. No one had never heard this particular uh, uh, formation together, and so it was ex- exciting. Wow, that was really nice. You know, <laughs> who called you? Herbie. So what did he say? He said uh, I was living in L.A. at the time. Uh, I had moved out to L.A. Uh, my wife and I. Uh, I was with Nancy Wilson, and um, we got my wife and I had got married, and Nancy was. Uh, the maid, maid of honor for my wife at our wedding. And she wanted to, she was moving her operation out to Los Angeles. Um, she was living in Chicago. She wanted to go out to Los Angeles and break into the Las Vegas scene, you know, in the Coconut Grove in, in, in L.A. and the, Fairmount Hotel in San Francisco, you know, in other words, broaden her whole thing, start making more money, you know, and uh, we put a a, a different kind of show together. And um, so Nancy happened to take off. She was taking off for five weeks. And it just so happened that I got the call from Herbie uh, just as she was preparing to do that. Had you had played before with Herbie? You know, um, I had met Herbie and Wayne and Tony and George Coleman. Oh, yeah, right, in in France, right? In France. Playing opposite, yeah. Jean Lapont. Yeah. And we were staying at the same hotel. And I met them down at the pool. And um, uh, so, no, I hadn't really played with Herbie before that, I don't believe. But Herbie called me and said, um, hey, man, uh, 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 we're, we're coming out to San Francisco. And uh, Miles wants you to join us at the, the both end, like two days from the call. And uh, 
So I went up to San Francisco <clears throat> on the opening day and uh, got on the bandstand. In fact, um, uh, Herbie and the guys were all staying at, uh, at, at a house on Grove Street in San Francisco. And so Herbie told me, you know, to come to the house. Uh, and so I got off the airplane, me and my wife, and we went to the house and they had a piano there. And I took out my bass and we played eight bars of So What? And that was it. Herbie said, okay, man, fine. <laughs> you know. Herbie stopped you after eight bars? Yeah. Yeah, we played eight bars. And we play, I think, a, a, a chorus, and that was it. Great. And then uh, next thing, we were on the bandstand. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Buster, how, how well were you able to hear yourself in that band? I'm talking about, was there amplification involved? No, was we it didn't acoustic? have an We just so, had a mic. Yeah. Oh, you had a mic in front of the bass and it went yeah. into the PA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but I mean, you learn, you, we learn, you know, we learn how to play without amps. Yes. You know, and how to hear each other. Um, and, uh, there was, there was no question. I mean, there was no complaint. I can't hear myself. I can't, you know, they could hear me. I could hear them. I could hear myself. Yeah. You know, it's only when we started using amps and pickups, you know, that everything got confused, <laughs> you know, now. You know, you can't do it with, unless you got this, unless you got that, you know. But, you know, we all started out, man. It was nothing but us and the instrument. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And everybody knew how to blend so that everybody could be heard. You know, it's like, where did those days go? I mean... I love, you know, the fact that we got the amps and pickups and, you know, and better mics now, you know, but it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when, when, the, you know, we had to learn how to tell time, you know, through a, a, a what do you call a rotary clock, mm -hmm. you know, and then everything became digital. You know, and now nobody can tell time anymore. <laughs> you know, you had to figure out what was 413 on this digital clock, on this, this rotary clock. Now it tells you 413. You know? Yeah. Or how to, how, how to count before, mm -hmm. you know, before we had calculators. Right. Had to learn how to count. You know? I'm glad that I, I came up, you know, when it was, when you didn't have these devices. You yeah. had to learn 
how to count. You had to learn how to tell time, you know. Yeah, these days there are so many gadgets that do the most interesting work for you in a way. They do everything for you. You yeah. don't have to do nothing. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, and, and I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, we can go into a whole nother thing, but, uh, uh, you know, but people don't even know how to think for themselves anymore. You know, there was a, there was a time when we listened to music with our ears. Now people listen to music with their eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't sell a record without a video. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, that's what we call progress. <laughs> <laughs> Buster, um, one of my uh, all-time favorite albums is "The Prisoner" by Herbie. Mm. And I'm very, very interested in the time right before Prisoner, while Prisoner, and uh, before the band became M1 Dishy, where there was still Johnny Coles and Joe mm -hmm. Henderson and Tootie Heath. And um, what was the process of getting the music together before the rehearsal, I mean, before the recording of The Prisoner? Uh, well... You know, we had rehearsals at Herbie's house a few times. Um, but I remember the, the record date itself, and this is how every record date went. You know, we'd get to the studio, the record date starts at 11 o'clock. When you get to the studio, everybody's on time, except Herbie. <laughs> you know? And Herbie, you know, may come in anytime, you know, within the next two hours, you know, and, uh, uh, but, you know, we, 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 we grew an understanding of that and realized that, um, uh, you know, we'll get to the record date in time to wait. Herbie would come in, you know, hour, hour and a half, two hours later, you know, and then um, and sit down at the piano and write. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like he was late because he was finishing the music. <laughs> yeah. What was he up to? <laughs> uh, you know, writing the music. And stuff would come out great, man. Mm-hmm. You know, but, um, you know, these were the, you know, the great nuances of, of guys and, and uh, uh, everyone, you know, had their own creative way of, of, of doing things. And, um, you know, I used to think that, uh, you know, um, Kirby was really going to have a hard time because he was always late, you know. <laughs> But <laughs> it sure didn't buy. It sure didn't hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
but it's not saying that you know that's the that's the example you can follow. It, was, it worked for him. Mm-hmm. Probably ain't gonna work for me. Mm. You know. So uh, uh, yeah, and um, I think the Prisoner album. Uh, Herbie was really um, uh, influenced, I think, well, not, not even use the word influenced, but um, you could hear Gil Evans, you know, yes. he was, you know, he was focused on that a bit. Even more so than on Speak Like a Child, like it seems like a next step after Speak Like a Child. You definitely have to speak like a child. And for example, he did my tune, uh, Firewater. Yeah. My record. And um, that was definitely a, a Gil Evans style arrangement that he put on that. When did you give him the song and, and uh, how, how was it then to listen to or be part of his arrangement then? It was it was okay. It was great because it was different, mm -hmm. and I think we were we were playing the song in the band, and um, and later on, um, I did a different arrangement on it, and uh, yeah, it was fear right with some more kicks, some more kicks, yeah, and uh, we we did the uh, like the intro. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And then the temple was up there. Mm. Yeah. I remember, you know, we also, um, for example, we played Maiden Voyage quite a bit. And with the sextet. Yeah, with the sextet. And uh, Herbie came up with a new arrangement on Maiden Voyage. He added. He added a whole nother section. What was it? Forget what it was, you know, uh, after the, you know, it went from what? From the, 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 the D minor, the D sus to, to the E flat. Mm -hmm. Then it went what to the D flat. Right, D flat minor. Yeah. And then it was a whole new, another section that we did, about another eight bars hmm. that he added. It was really pretty. I mean, we had great times with that band. It never, it never, you know, it never got stale. You know. Did and you guys play? To, you Sorry. know, we used to say, you know, a piece of music is never finished. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You say? I, I'm I'm curious, did you also play I Have a Dream live before you guys recorded yeah. it? Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't he record I Have a Dream? Uh which one is that? Do da de do ba doom. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's a recording with Miles where they kind of tried it or where they kind of rehearsed it in a, in a faster fashion. They rehearsed fashion. it, but they never recorded it. Tell me when we're done, you know, because I can go on. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, uh, I think we're about done because um, I have some things I have to do. No worries. That's totally fine. I'm, I'm so thankful that you did this with me. This is yeah, this me too. I enjoyed pleasure. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope I get to see you soon in person sometime. Thank and, you, Pablo. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed this, man. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye.